because we now have the Cinema Giant! Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cinema Judge. First of all, to all my regulars out there, welcome back. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Now, approach the bench today. We have the horror comedy movie, The Blackening, and it's directed by the incredibly talented Tim Story. He's known for Fantastic Four, Think Like a Man, Barbershop, Taxi, and so much more. He's an incredible director. And here's what this movie's about. Seven black friends go away for the weekend and end up trapped in a cabin with a killer who has a vendetta. Will their street smarts and knowledge of horror movies help them stay alive? Probably not. Here's a trailer for The Blackening. This little reunion about to crack. We got the whole crew back. Really, bitch? A cabin in the woods. Now let's get it all in perspective for all y'all enjoyment. You still a slave to the white man? Y'all gonna start calling my wife the white man, all right? Newness is the anthem. Put your hands up that you shoot with. What we do on Juneteenth? Oh, hell no. Where are you going? Look for the fuse box. What kind of house is this? No, no thank you. The blackening? Whoa! Jim Crow Monopoly. Probably runs on racism. Pick a card and save Morgan. What do you mean, save Morgan? <laughs> Refuse to play, and she dies. I think we have to play the game. In your predicament, the black character is always the first to die. I will spare your lives if you sacrifice the person you deem the blackest. The blackest? Nobody should judge anybody in here, bro. You have two minutes to decide. Shanika, she's taking the most. See? Wait. Y'all can't pick me. I'm gay. Oh, Clifton. Yeah. I can prove I'm not the blackest. Prove it. I've never seen Friday. Oh. I voted for Trump. <gasps> what? What? Twice. You oh, my God. God. Big money. Play for your time's up. We need a plan. Don't say it. Don't you dare. We don't say this, don't say it. We have to split up. Oh. Your time has run out. It's time to die. There's a crazy person out here hunting us. You got Rosa Parks on your shit, right? Would she be sitting down right now? I mean, that's exactly what she did. You could shut up. Made you look. Made you look. What? Black women gotta save everyone else. Stop playing. I got a gun. Damn. Ew. That's too DMX. What are you doing? Now, The Blackening has a very unique story of how it got to this point. And it's, I love it. I love hearing about these stories of how they found it and what attracted them to the project. So at first, we're going to hear from director and producer Tim Story. And he's going to talk about his producers bringing it to him. And then after Tim talks, we're going to hear from producer E. Brian Dobbins and then Jason Clark, both producers. It's really fascinating to hear about the first, it was a short story or a short film, I should say, on a comedy skit. And then it just kept getting motivation from there. And it's just, it just really cool. Check it out. So the original project came to me, uh, my producing partners, 
uh, brought it to me and said, "You, we want to do a project based on this short. So um, watch the short. It literally made me laugh out loud. It was um, one of the funniest things I had ever seen. And so we talked about what it could be as a feature because I didn't exactly know how, how they uh, planned on expanding it. And once they t- uh, took me through what their plan was, I said, look, if you can pull that off, this would be a great project. If you know the sketch, it's, you know, you've got... Uh a group of uh, black men and women in their, you know, late 20s and 30s who go away uh, or in a cabin and they're haunted by a cabin killer. And he says, I'm going to kill the blackest of you. Uh, and then they they go around and figure out they trade barbs about who's the blackest. What we started to find when we started looking at the sketch and how it would be a movie, we started thinking, you know, you know, as a. Uh, in black culture, you or in other cultures, when you watch these horror movies, if you've ever been to a theater, you hear people yelling back at the screen, don't go in there, don't do that. And, you know, we, you know, as being a part, you know, being black myself, we always talk about, well, we would never do that, right? We would never do some of the things that you see in a horror movie. So we've kind of blown that out a little bit and found the comedic portion of that. At the same time, we want this film to be uh, frightening and scary, um, but the comedy is ever present. The relationship between the characters is unique, um, and the the look at uh, culture is unique. Well, I think the film is daring in a lot of ways, and I love movies that are kind of a bit of a mashup that you know break genre, a uh, classic genre. So this is a horror movie with a tremendous amount of comedy, but underneath it is this kind of real satire. And that satire is powerful, and um, it spoke to me as as like there was a voice behind the movie, and that voice, um, you know, was the writer and and, and creator of the movie um, uh, originally, and then it was going to be carried through by Tim Story, our director, and so uh, knowing um, that Dwayne and Tracy had created this incredible script, and knowing that the movie did something to me when I read it. And what it, what it did to me is it wouldn't, I couldn't forget it. And what I couldn't forget about it is it would make me laugh, which would make me disarmed. And then it hit me with an idea that was a powerful idea or a real scary moment. So I call it a roller coaster ride. And the minute I read, I said, I want to do this movie. And I was thrilled by the opportunity to get to work with the incredible Tim Story, who's a, you know, incredible director and a great human being. Now, since we're on the topic of the great director, Tim Story, he's up next, and he's going to talk about when he received the script and how it was almost all completed already. There wasn't much need for a rewrite because of the great writing of Tracy Oliver and Dwayne Perkins. They are both co-writers of this film. And another interesting aspect of that is Dwayne plays a character, Dwayne, in the movie. So he's, you know, doing double duty, basically. After we hear Tim's story talk about the script, we're going to hear from both Tracy and then Dwayne. And I love this to give you a little bit more, even deeper insight into how this movie got here. Especially when Tracy starts talking about somebody just sent her the link and goes, check this out. This should be a movie. And then we're going to hear from Dwayne himself. Well, in in working with uh, Tracy and Dwayne on this screenplay, what was great about it is they already gave it to me kind of in its... um, in a form that I could make the movie immediately. It's always great when you read a script and you go, I see the movie, we can get going, 
And um, it doesn't take a whole lot of quote-unquote rewriting. And that's what was great about this whole process. They always knew exactly what they were writing. They knew what the movie should be. And I kind of walked into this kind of idea of me just being a protector of their vision and make sure I could get what it is they wanted it to be on screen uh, with no apologies. I was sent a link to it because a friend of mine thought it would be right down my alley just humor-wise. So I watched it and I just fell in love with the voice of it. I was like, this is funny, but also smart and and fresh and original. And I hadn't seen anything like it. So I immediately was like, oh, my God, I want to know this person, whoever did it. And then also figure out a way to adapt it. Because I saw it was just one scene, but I saw the potential of a feature in it. And so I kind of did some research, got an email address, emailed my phone number and said, hey, I know this sounds weird, but I saw your Comedy Central short and I want to make it into a movie. Can you please call me? And then the next day, I think, I was on the phone with Dwayne. And Dwayne was like, oh, my God, I love Girls Trip. I know who you are. I've been following your work for a long time. Are you serious? And I was like, I'm absolutely serious. I would love to make this into a movie. So that was kind of like the origin of it. So first of all, Tracy, I think, is such a great writer and mentor. She really helped me figure out just the business. As, as I said, she was just like, hey, you want you want to make a movie? And I was like, I have skill and talent. How does this work? <laughs> and so she was there to really guide me through like this process. And I, I, I like, love her so much for that. And then Tim Story is legit the most collaborative director I've ever worked with. And having this be my first movie, I understand that like there are things that I don't know, but he trusted me in a way that I didn't expect which he was like, you've proven yourself based off what you've written. I trust you. And to have Tim Story uh, give me that kind of energy, I am still like blown away by it. I, I love him so much. He's so nice. This is a great interview. The guy's so talented. And he acts in the movie too. Writer and actor. That's pretty much hitting all the levels right there. Now, director Tim Story's up next. And he's going to talk about these characters are relatable. They're approachable. And that's what made the script even more enjoyable to direct. He could understand them and he could really work with it. And then after that interview, we're going to play a clip for you. And in this clip, a group of friends are standing above this game. That's They haven't opened it up yet. They think, oh, this is just a prank from our friend. Let's just see what's happening. And then it says, you know, then things started happening from there. But that's kind of how that scene plays out. Friends standing on looking at this board game. Once this story came to me and it allowed me to kind of step one, you know, one leg into the horror and the other leg could still be in what I feel comfortable in, I just had to go for it. But I think a lot of the quote-unquote emotions that that these characters go through are very realistic and very um, accessible to an audience. And I think when you find, when you find a, a piece of product that makes you kind of uh, see stories that you've had in your head before that you want to tell. Um, I, I think you have to kind of go for it. And that's kind of what I found myself in. No, 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 no. What are you doing? We literally came all this way to party and play games. So that's what I'm doing. Oh, come on. This is clearly Morgan's work. I am not even tripping. Let's just play. Yeah, I'm with Allison. Ain't nobody falling for this fake creepiness, but I'm going to beat her in her own game. Yeah, Morgan, I see you. Game on. Wait. I guess. All right, let's get it. Let's get it. So I guess the question is, how do we play? Ask the little racist. Pick a card and save Morgan. What do you mean, save Morgan? 
Now, in order to make this kind of movie work, you need a cast. You need a strong cast. But more importantly, you need them to work together. Because if you don't work together, everyone's just trying to steal a scene that they're in or whatever line they're in. You need teamwork. So we're going to hear people talk about that next. First, we're going to hear from co-writer Tracy Oliver. Just just her praise of the, of the whole cast is just amazing. And then we're going to hear from Antoinette Robertson, who plays Lisa. Then we're here from Jason Clark. Then finally, when they talk about the cast, we're here from Dwayne Perkins, the co-writer and the guy who created the sketch or the skit that all of this came from. And just hearing his joy in his voice is just wonderful. The cast really elevated the material. And yeah, they took what was on the page and just brought it to life in such a fun, magical way. And it's also because they loved each other. And they didn't even all really know each other, but... By, like, day two of being on set, it felt like they were a real, like, group of friends. I'm obsessed with this cast. Meeting everyone in this cast and not necessarily having pre-existing relationships with any of them, but still finding myself wanting to constantly talk to them. We have a group chat. We're always, like, sending memes back and forth, like, teasing each other, kind of in, like, a a funny brother-sister kind of vibe. But, like, when it's time to get down to work... We're there supporting each other. If something happens, we have each other's back. It's just, it's really beautiful to see that after only 20-something days, we've we've formed these these deeper bonds. Working with this cast has been really uh, incredible. I remember the first couple days they got together, they'd come out on set, and there would be seven young, beautiful actors in the scene, and they would be explosive and and so and literally you would be wearing the headphones and they pop off your head for a second because these people were having a great time and it was so amazing to watch them click in with each other and we saw it happen in that first few days of filming in which they began to play off each other in a way that that really exceeded the expectation i had but also my conception in reading what those characters were and who they were and then the improvisational nature and, and, and the kindness that they were able to give to each other. I think Dwayne Perkins starring in a movie he wrote based on a skit that he created and a short that, that he made of that skit. That's a dream come true. Um, he was so generous with the other actors and they were generous with him. Tim was so, I, I mean, I use the word generous maybe too much, but Tim is an incredibly generous director with his cast, and he created an environment where everybody felt safe. And because of that, I think the tone in the characters and the experimentation and also the way they develop those characters is really exciting. And I think it comes off the screen. Um, and also, they become great friends, this cast. Because of the sketch, like the idea that like I, my improv group did that, and I was like, oh, it sucks, like they can't be in the movie so I like initially was like kind of sad and then truly it's and I mean this very seriously I am obsessed with every one of them it is so strange how the chemistry is so solid uh and we talk about it often and be like we're always just like waiting for the shoe to fall because we're we're like this is lightning in a bottle like how are we all vibing so hard uh and I love them so much and I think they really because I had my friends from the sketch in mind, seeing them take these roles and create something new really allowed me to free myself 
from like any confines or anything that I, any preconceived notions of what it could be. It allowed us to just kind of create it together. And I think that has made the best chemistry because we're like, we're in this together. We're figuring it out. Yay. <laughs> we love each other. Now, as we've spoken earlier, the majority of the cast in here are black actors and actresses. So up next, we're going to hear from Grace Byers, who plays Allison, talking about that, how refreshing it is. And when she read it, how it made her feel knowing she'd be surrounded by fellow black actors. Because we all know this rarely happens. Rarely do you have a horror film where the majority of the cast is black, African-American, or people of color. Because traditionally, sadly but true, in the past, always the black person, 99% of the time, died first. And it was now when you look back at it, you're just like, oh my goodness, how pathetically embarrassing and why? Well, you know, people were racist and that's sad. But that's changing about blip in time. But now we could have these kind of movies where everybody can be seen. And then after we hear from her, we're going to hear from Jay Farrell, who plays Sean. He's going to talk about his character, the movie, and a little bit more about the cast. We all black. <laughs> um, I think that's what I love the most about it when I was reading the script because I actually have gotten quite a few horror scripts in the past and I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know, I kind of feel like, uh, and I'm not a big, huge horror buff. I have a, I have a few favorites, but uh, what I really loved about the script was that I think this is the first time that we're actually seeing it. I mean, we all know in horror films, normally the trend is, you know, if there's a black person in there, they probably might be one of the first ones to die. So that's a running joke that we have in the black community that we notice. But um, I, what I love the most is just seeing that everyone is black. Everyone has to survive. So when you are faced with that kind of dynamic and dilemma, what happens? What do you do? And so I think this will be one of the first times that we actually see what happens. My character is really uh, ambitious. It's Sean. He's really a, he's into the horror thing. And um, uh, I can't, I'm not going to, I'll be, well, he's into the horror thing. He's over-enthusiastic about it. And he just doesn't know what he's getting himself into, I don't think. You know, as uh, none of the people in this movie do. What drew me, it, it, it's a fun, I like the mix of, uh, I like the mix of horror and comedy in it. And that's the biggest thing, you know what I mean? You could be scared as hell, but as long as you have fun, it's like a, it's always a good it's always a good movie. You feel me? And those movies aren't ubiquitous. You know what I mean? Like we don't have a lot of those anymore. Where it's like it's fun and scary. I'm a comedian at that, and I like to be scared. I love scary movies. The cast as well too. Um, the cast is just crazy. You got uh, Senqua Walls in here. You got you got Jermaine in here. You got um, uh, uh, Melvin Gregg, also another seven five seven guy that's in here. It's just a it's just a melding of talent together. And I'm telling you, it's contemporary. It's contemporary um, horror. It's not like a retro piece. And like that hasn't been done before. So you'll get updated jokes, bro. Like we're spitting out, we're spitting out jokes of today. You feel me? So it just feels fresh and new. Now we all know how talented Jay Farrow is. So speaking of that, we're going to hear from the producer, Jason Clark. And he's going to talk about just how much he elevated this role. But he also talks about incredibly talented Yvonne Orji. I mean, these two together are just wonderful. So after we hear from Jason Clark, we're going to talk to Yvonne Orji, and she's going to talk about the script, the characters, and so much more. But then we're going to play a clip for you. And in this clip, we have those two play playing the board game. They're standing there 
and they have to and they pull, pull a card and you know ask, ask them a question. So then they're just they're trying to banter back and forth, talking about basically what we just got them talking about. How mainly in history of movies, the black person gets killed first. So they pull this card from the game and they read it out loud and they try to figure it out and all kinds of other stuff ensues. Well, first of all, Jay Farrow is, I, I got a chance to work with him a few years ago. So getting to see him do this and, you know, uh, it's like I said, it's a horror picture with comedy. So it's got some serious moments. And Jay delivered on the performance, and he was paired with the lovely Yvonne Orji, who has also got strong roots in comedy, but brings a powerful performance to the movie. And it's unexpected, guys. I think they 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 uh, subvert any expectation, and the movie does a lot of that. Uh, so I, I you you see them, and they're outside of what they would normally play, but with all of that humor, and then the movie takes a left-hand turn really hard. You go, whoa. Jay is always on. He is always trying to make everybody laugh. Uh, and so, you know, and I, uh, thankfully with Insecure, I've had six years of practice on how to kind of be the straight woman for a little bit. So I, I allow, whenever there's like a comic with a big personality, I allow them to kind of just take front and center. And then, you know, I, I have my moments like, oh, you done? You good? All right, I got I got next, you know? And so it's, it's that double dutch moment of like, all right, all right, cool, 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 cool. Me, all right, you, me, you know, and so I play my position. It's funny how this whole thing came about because uh, we were actually looking for a director for a project that I'm working on, and I was resent the blackening uh, sketch that was on Comedy Central because the director that I was working on did that, and so I was like, oh my god, I, I, y'all, he did this. I remember watching this. I love this. It was hysterical, and I remember cracking up years ago when I saw that, and then. In the same week, <laughs> a friend of mine hit me up and said that he had booked The Black Man. And I was like, wait, based off the sketch? I literally just watched it two days ago. And then, you know, I hit up my uh, agents like, this is a movie now? And then I got <laughs> an offer a couple days later. So it was actually kind of kismic how it all happened. Well, you know, I think even in dramatic spaces, you still have to, like, cut through some drama with some humor. You know, in the intensity of it all, like there's the humor that cuts through. And even in a horror film, Jay and I, you know, were able to just play off of each other and have jokes and fun because it is funny to see black people because we're not going to put ourselves in this position to get killed. This is not what we do on, on a normal circumstance. And so the concept of it already is hysterical, but it all, obviously, you know, there's still some dramatic elements. So with what I do, um, I try to infuse as much humor, even in the dramatic moments. Uh, and so I hope that plays through. It's a scary satire movie, if you will, um, uh, about a group of friends who have known each other from college, and they are having their reunion, their Juneteenth party in a cabin in the woods. And y'all know black folk don't go hiking. Well, I can't say that because black folks do go hiking. They do go camping. But they chose the very scary uh, location that they are at, very isolated. And unbeknownst to them, there is a, a killer who has a different IA uh a different turn of events for them uh, while they are here trying to celebrate. And the premise is whoever the blackest person is uh, gets to survive. And let's just say scare movies, so a whole bunch of folks gonna get killed. So who's black enough anyway? Who is black enough? At least we know it's working. <laughs> Probably runs on racism. <laughs> now that is one battery that ain't dying in no time soon. Oh, that's so powerful. Pick a card. Okay, calm 
I just did. Yeah, and you better watch how you talking to my lady, okay? Okay. What you got? You are a black character in a horror movie. Prove that you can stay alive. Name one black character that survived a horror movie. You must answer correctly. Or you die. The oh, so this is just an aggressively named trivia game. Huh? Hold up. Were they even in horror movies when this game was created? Baby, you're thinking too much about this. All right, I know the answer. It is Jada Pinkett, Omar Epps, Scream 2. Boom, Sambo. And then this was the first to die. What are you talking about? I honestly think that the studio didn't have the budget to keep him the whole movie. Mm-hmm. That's why they had to die first. <laughs> Now, as you could tell, this movie is not like many movies you've seen or will see again. And that's what sets this movie apart. So what we're going to hear from next is from Yvonne Orji talking about that. And also in the same vein, Antoinette Robinson also talks about that. And immediately after that, we're going to have a clip. Now, in this clip, there's a knock on the door and a bunch of the people in the cast open the door thinking, okay, this is it. We have a big confrontation with this killer. But on the other side there is a cop. And then that cop happens to be white. So there's this whole uncomfortable conversation that happens about boundaries, rules, expectations, and all that stuff. So there's so many messages in this movie that are discussed, but also use humor to talk about it all. It's very fascinating. You know, I think um, what sets uh, the Black Day apart from other horror pictures is that it is, it's, it's part comedy, it's part humor, it's also part, you know, informational, if you will. Uh, and I think a lot of times messages go down a little easier when there's a little comedy, but also who doesn't like a little gory, scary situation? And it's something you don't also get to see a lot of black people in, especially throughout the whole movie. You see, you know, black people front and center as like the leads of this. So uh, it's going a little some action there too. You get to punch some bad guys. This is fun. I hope the audience takes away several things from the movie. Um, Number one, that the horror genre is not exclusively a Caucasian space. (laughs) Number two, that people of color, specifically Black people, are the main characters in their own stories as well. They don't need to be the sidekicks of anyone. All of these characters are fully fleshed out, multidimensional human beings, and they're depicted as such in this film. Um, that's a beautiful thing to see. Okay, I see why you didn't want to go first. I heard screaming. Is everything okay? Ranger White? Is that you? In the flash. Is this good or bad? Wait, how do we know we can trust him? I'm one of the good ones. Oh, that does not help. They all say that. That actually makes you seem more suspicious. You can trust me. Seriously, if I got an invite to the cookout, I'd be honored, but I wouldn't go. And why the f*** not? Because I know my presence in that all-black space would be a disturbance, and undo it being an all-black space. That's a pretty good answer. I'm so... Mm-hmm. Worse me. Look, we're going to lower our hands. Lower away. Okay, great. Look, I've never been so happy to see a white savior. Somebody's trying to kill us. Please help us, please. Whoa, slow down. A mass killer is after us and two of our friends are dead. What do you mean, dead? Dead, dead. Meet your maker, dead, dead. Where are the rest of your friends? We split up. You split up, but you're all black. Whoa, oh, wow. do not get comfortable. I know you didn't. Oh, move, bro. Sorry. Now, this kind of movie, you got to walk that line between horror, comedy, social commentary. It takes a special kind of director to do that. And that's why Tim's story directed this movie because of his skills and everything he brings to the plate. So up next, we're going to hear from him. He's going to talk about that, talk about it being horror, 
comedy, but so many other things involved. But then after that, we're going to hear from a couple producers just singing the praises of him because he's A, deserving of it, and B, well, it's all true. So after Tim's story, we're going to hear from E. Brian Dobbins, a producer, and then also Jason Clark after that. And also Jason Clark not only praises Tim's story, but several other players in this whole situation. It's really kind of cool to hear everybody just on the same page, that everybody knows what's going on, they know who's in charge, and that's what makes this movie so special. Horror and comedy are those two genres that are best um, experienced with people. And I think to combine those two, I think the only place to see this is in the theater because there is a there's a permission that is given to the the comedy side of it as well as the horror side of it. Um, and I think the audiences, as you hear somebody else laugh, it makes you laugh more. And as you hear somebody else scare, sometimes the jump of somebody sitting next to you is the thing that makes you jump. So I just think that this movie is kind of designed perfect for theaters. And um, I'm really looking forward to the audiences um, checking it out. Well, Tim's great. Um, Tim is, um, you know, he's, a, he's a, just a good person, uh, first and foremost. And he, he's very calm and zen. Um, he, um, he doesn't, his ego doesn't get in the way of a good decision. Um, he's got an ego and he should. Um, he's an accomplished director and he's, but he's confident. He's sure of himself. Um, he uh, takes in information really well and um, he uh, listens to uh, thoughts, um, but he's got a point of view, which is what you want every director to have. First of all, Tracy Oliver is an incredible talent uh, as a writer. Uh, and um, Dwayne Perkins, who plays Dwayne in the movie, uh, is also an incredible talent, uh, an improvisational kind of actor, but also a writer. And the two of them collaborating on this um, hit this kind of powerhouse script that then working with Tim Story has been watching him work with this cast, watching him get a performance from this cast, watching him get improvisational work from this cast, watching his elegance in doing that, in presenting his vision or discovering what the cast can bring to his vision or the vision of the script has been a real kind of like a meaningful uh, experience for me. So I think as a producer, uh, working with someone like Brian Dobbins is, you know, an incredible opportunity. Brian is a talent manager and he comes from, you know, uh, talent relations, part of the business. And it's been really fun to work with somebody who has such a firm handle on the material, the story, the tone, but also on how to approach it with the talent. We have a big ensemble cast um, and so I'm, I'm thrilled by the collaboration of all the people involved. Now, getting praise from your fellow producers is one thing, but also top that with when the actors that the director's working with come back with the same message, the talent, how easygoing he is, and how hardworking, all of the above. First, we're going to hear from Melvin Gregg, who plays King, and then Yvonne Orji and Jay Farrell. To the person, every one of them, just say great things about Tim's story. Well, because it's all true. It's been a great experience. It's been very, very collaborative. Uh, Tim's a very collaborative director. 
He's open to any suggestions or punch-ups. So if you have any questions about your characters, he, he's there to really just uh, explain it all to you and let you understand why you're doing what you're doing and not just because it's scripted. Um, and as an actor, I, I really appreciate directors like that. And the Wayne's the same way. And I have him on set all the time with, you know, pretty much all of my scenes and being able to ask him questions about the script is really, really helpful because, I mean, he wrote a lot of it. So <laughs> he understands it in a way that, you know, neither I or Tim understands it. Uh, so it's, it's great to have him there as resources. Tim is great. This is actually my first time working with him as a director, but I've known him for a little bit. And so it was it was great to get to play with him. And he, I love when he comes after a take and he he does this thing with his hands. He's so excited. I'm like, oh, that was a good take. And he just let, he lets actors act. And as a comic, it's good to have direction, but also good to be, you know, get a little free brain to, to play a little bit. Well, listen, I worked with Tim's story before. Um, Shout out to uh, uh, Ride Along and uh, White Famous. So I already knew, I know how he works. I know he works quick. I know he's precise and I know he, he knows what he wants. Now, speaking of Tim's story, he's up next and he talks about what he hopes we get out of this film. And immediately after that, we have a wonderful interview with Dwayne Perkins. You know what? I'm not even going to say what he talks about. I'll just let him roll. This film is is made um, to to be experienced out outwardly. Um, it's a laugh out loud. It's a scream out loud. Um, and I hope that the audiences just take away um, just a, a break from all the craziness we're dealing with in the world. And um, I must admit, that's exactly what I want them to take away from it. Some fun. Yeah, I think so much of horror lives in like human experience. And because a lot of horror has been predominantly white, uh, I think something that I really wanted to tap into was the natural ability of Black people and their s survival instincts and how that would play differently in a horror movie. Because uh, if you led a life where you have always had to fight, where you have always had to survive, being put in a horror setting would be different. Because you're like, I'm not making that dumb choice because that's stupid. Why would I go into that dark-ass basement? I don't want to. So having these people kind of face... Uh, the reality of, of horror movies uh, in like a very real way is what I think is so funny. Like this movie is for the people that watch horror movies to be like, don't do that. And we're the people doing it in the movie being like, don't do that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, uh, and I think that is so much of like the soul of this movie is being able to speak for the people who um, watch horror movies and don't see themselves in those horror movies or don't see themselves in the actions of horror movies, because so much of it is like a formula. I'd be like, oh, you have to be a little dumb <laughs> in horror movies or you'll survive. And leaning into that, I'd be like, no, all these people are just like smart. <laughs> like, sure, like there are stakes and like these stakes are very real, but like what experiences that they have had in their lives, those can help. And kind of connecting those, I think, is what makes a movie like super fun. And I'm obsessed with that aspect of it. Well, I hope you enjoyed our in-depth look at The Blackening. Now, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, any way to improve the show, please let me know, cinemajudge at hotmail.com. Or you could visit me on Instagram, The Cinema Judge, YouTube, most platforms, I'm there. I would love your feedback, because I can't grow if I don't know. Because this is the way I look at it, everybody. I'm not here to criticize actors movies, or anything like that. We all have different opinions. We've all walked different paths. Who am I to tell you what you should see or not? 
because any movie is somebody's favorite movie. I just want to provide an environment where you could sit down and listen to a movie and see if you want to see it or not. You get to hear interviews from the creators, the actors, everything like that. Because there's so much noise out there. I just want a place where, like I always wanted to have, get totally involved in the movie, hear everything about it without anybody's biases. Because we all want to spend our hard-earned money wisely. Because we all want the same thing, an enjoyable movie experience. Now, if you want to watch the TV version of this and or other shows I've done, go to either Bloomington, Minnesota's cable access channel or go to bit.ly backward slash cinema judge. You go there, this and several other of these shows, but with video are there. So you can watch that anytime you want on demand. If you also want to get together and chat, chat one day, I am also on Horizon Worlds, you know, not every night, but often, and that's on the that whole Oculus World stuff. And one of the places I go to is Ace of Clubs, Laser Tag. And recently, the guy who created that, Mikey Ace, also created this one called Fun House. The other place, Ace of Clubs, that's 18 and older, but this Fun House is for all ages. And there's tons of stuff to do there, but I just want to let you know, if you ever want to just hang out and chat, like, you know, like this... Join up anytime, just look up Cinema Judge, and we'll talk movies. You know me, (laughs) I love talking movies, so that would be grand. Like I said, anything to help. If you don't want to know what to watch that night, having contemplations, there's nothing I don't like talking about more than movies. Even as we speak right now, I've been texting a friend of mine. Her and her wife are camping, sending me pictures, and they're going to maybe watch something on the laptop later at night, whatever. Those bums, here they are, out there enjoying a good time, and I'm stuck here. How dare you? But, (laughs) like I say, I love talking movies, so anytime, guys. But, as you well know, this is a TV show first, and then I turn into this. When I'm doing that, I'm cranking tunes. It's my complete happy place. Movies and music. Music, movies, music, movies. You name it, I'm in heaven. Cranking tunes. Now, for this episode, I was like, well, man, there's so many avenues I could turn to. But at first, I was like, I need a little Coldplay. So, I threw down some Coldplay. I did X and Y. I love that album. If you've never listened to any Coldplay, that's a great place to start. The X and Y album, just great. And then also, after that, I did Viva La Vida. And then there's an or something, something, something. But anyway, that's that's a great album. And then I also listened to A Rush of Blood to the Head. Oh, another spectacular album. Can't go wrong with any of those albums or even Parachutes, the first album. Also very good. But then I'm like, you know, I need something to pick me up a little bit more. I need a little bit more oomph. So then I turned to one of the greatest of all time, Jimi Hendrix. I first played Are You Experienced? Of course, that's a great commercial success. Almost every song in there just smokes. It's great. Variety, depth, you name it. But then I went to Axis Bold as Love. Phenomenal. And then I went to Electric Ladyland. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. That truly showed his variety, his depth, where he was going. I mean, it's just it's just phenomenal. There's some songs in there you're just like, whoa. And a lot of them are almost sound experimental. 
for lack of a better word. The man could do the... He infuses blues, jazz, rock and roll in his own unique style. It's like such a shame that we lost him so soon. And I had a friend way back in the day. He saw him play live. I'm like, ew, dog. But he goes, well, at the time, I didn't think nothing of it. It was just another concert. But can you imagine seeing that legend, god of a guitar player and songwriter live? That dog. But anyway, that's what I was listening to when I was making the TV version of this. But now this is truly one of my favorite parts of this show. This is where I thank you, the listeners who listened to the last episode. But then some of you might say, hey, dude, I listened to several episodes from, you know, a while ago. I truly appreciate that too. You have no idea. I do do a happy dance every time I see any show listened to. It's just a lot harder to see where and all that other stuff with past episodes. But for the newest one, that's right there and easy and it's right there. So don't think I don't care that you listen to the past episodes because, man, I get ecstatic. But when I do this, I just thank everybody who listened to this particular episode. Or not this one, but the previous week. Because I love hearing how you listen to this show. Whether if you're listening in your car at home, as a nightlight thing where you just play it through the night. I don't care. It's just wonderful that you listen and share it with your friends. That means the world to me. And some of you might even listen to the show two years from now. It's all good because that's what this is all about. All about sharing movies. So wherever, whenever, or whatever you're doing, this is for you. To all my listeners from the United States, Germany, my goodness, Germany, you guys, thank you so much for listening. So I got a lot of listeners from Germany. So every one of you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Same thing with the United Kingdom, Japan, and Poland. All you guys taking time out of your busy life to listen to this show, ecstatic. I can't even put it into words. I can't even explain what it means to me. Minneapolis, Minnesota, Frankfurt, AM, Maine, Hess, Overland Park, Kansas, Maple Grove, Minnesota, Plattsburgh, Virginia, Littleton, Colorado, Greensville, South Carolina, The Land, Florida, Parker, Colorado, Bemidji, Minnesota, Elgin, Moray, is that it? Conan, Tokyo, and then, boy, <laughs> I don't know this one at all, guys, but G-M-I-N-A-D-O-B-R-C-Z, and then K-U-J-A-W-S-K-O. To every one of you guys, and also Bloomington, Minnesota, thank you very much. I just can't tell you, man. You guys truly are incredible, and I thank you so much. But now, it's time for the bourbon shout-out. This week, it goes out to Muhammad at Cub. I tell you what, man. Every week, you're so kind. I go there late at night to do my shopping, and you're there, helpful, talkative, and just, just so much joy. So, Muhammad, I truly, truly thank you, and I appreciate all your time and your help. And also, to the, how, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, the help desk person at work. I was having issues trying to sign in. Okay, I'm not tech savvy. I, I'm, I'm shocked I could even do this. She was so kind, so helpful, and just stuck with me. And I, I for the life of me, I forgot her name. But to you tech lady out there, you were 
so patient with me, and I truly, truly appreciate that. So to both of you, cheers. Well, that's it. My glass is full. I'm thirsty. So cheers to you and to the movies. So till next time, be well, be good, and I'm gone. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Judge. (laughs) 